eyes off of you and you forget who you are. And at the end of the day, you sit on your throne and you call us to love you and to serve you and live for you. And it is in that calling that we rejoice. So God, may we fix our eyes on you and remember that you alone are holy and worthy to be praised. In the name of Jesus, we Awesome guys. And I gotta tell you, it was really cool to hear all the people singing behind. Hello, Colby. So I noticed some of my family and friends have showed up today, which means I had to edit my sermon as we were going. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure I'll come up with something. Just go for it. Yeah, you hear all the stories. So, um, as uh, is my prerogative, um, I wanted to do a selfie with all of you all before I leave. So uh, it's actually a little video selfie with my GoPro. So uh, if everybody would just say hello, hey, and then I will have a wonderful memory of all you all. So thank you. Aren't these things cool? I, that's for missions. So, Shanette uh, and I, as you know, we have been on this journey of medical school, and I get to be uh, the wife of a doctor. Um, and it's been a, we were cal calculating it up the other day, what, seven and a half year journey to now? Something like that. Um, and it's been quite a process. And two of the most exciting years of that has been here with you guys. I mean, it has been truly an honor to serve with you and to live with you and to, to love Jesus with you. Um, this is a great church, and the building's okay. <laughs> but these are, you guys are an amazing part of the body of Christ, and I have been honored to be here with you. Um, but... By the uh, dictates of residency, what you do is you put into a big lottery all the places you're interested in going, and then all the places that you've inter interviewed at rank all the candidates who are there, and they put it all into some big computer program and it spits out God's will for my life. And in this case, we got assigned to this place called Tri-Cities, in the Tri-Cities area of Washington. So, I don't know, we can work out the go ahead and switch to that. Um, this is where we're at down here in Salem. I don't know if you can see the laser pointer there. And this is where we're moving, up here. Depending on whether Shanette or I are driving, it's about four, four and a half hours away. And, um, and it's kind of up in the gorge right near the, the Columbia River. Um, we can go to the next one. Specifically, Shanette and I are moving to Benton City, which is this little, my little thing's not working, but that little pin right in the middle. And then the three arrows are the, the three places, ooh, hey, somebody's got me hooked up. 
Anyway, the three arrows are the three clinics and the or the two clinics and a hospital that Shanette will be working at. Um, and so she will be serving um, the Yakima Valley Farm Workers Union um, up in Sunnyside and Grandview, and then down at Trios Hospital in Kennewick there. And so we actually are in the process of buying a house, which is right in the middle, in a little town called Benton City. And you can show them that picture. Um, yes, house. Yay, that's us. So that, that sign is a little deceptive because we're still in process. But if all goes well, um, that will be our little place. And here's the fun thing. We have a three bed, two bath, and one of them is gonna be a guest room. So about half of you are welcome to come anytime and stay. <laughs> um, I'll let you sort that out. But, but this, is, this is where we're going to be, and it's, it's not the first place and the highest place that we ranked on our list, but it's certainly not the last either. And in the midst of it, um, the big question for me is, what am I going to do? I have no idea what I'm going to do. Um, it is an hour and a half from the nearest Free Methodist Church. There are no colleges if I wanted to go back and do my education. I thought about doing chaplaincy, but there are no chaplaincy programs within range. Um, so for the first time in a very long time, I have no particular reason to get up for Sunday mornings or any mornings. <laughs> it's going to be very interesting. And that's a weird feeling, like just being told to go without a specific destination or reason for it. It's been a very, very long time since I've been in that place. And it's both exciting, right? It's kind of like retirement. <laughs> but also kind of weird. And, and so it, it's been an interesting process for me. But here's the thing. I absolutely know that God called us here. My family has a tradition where every um, Christmas Eve, we gather at my mom's place, but where we do the presents and stuff, and, and we gather together, and my mom brings out this box, and inside are all these little boxes that have our name on them. And you open them up, and you read the predictions you made the previous Christmas Eve for where you were going to be now. So we, we write down, you know, where are you going to be living? What are you going to be doing? What's going to be going on in the political landscape? Who my brother's going to be dating? Those kind of things. Which has been pretty boring for the last four years because it's the same girl. But anyway. But we, we make these predictions, and then we open up the little boxes, and, and we read what we wrote last year, and then we make new predictions for the following year. And in Christmas Eve this last year, Shanette and I were really pretty certain that we were going to end up in Indianapolis. They had been, the program there had been very positive. People had been saying, yeah, you know, we're expecting you to come back. We're expecting you to be here. We totally think this is all going to work. And 
you know, there was a bunch of things lining up at headquarters for me to do with missions and that kind of deal. And it just seemed like, wow, this is a perfect fit. And yet, and that's how we ranked it. We ranked Indianapolis first. And yet, when I was writing down predictions of where I was going to be, I just had this sense in my heart, and I wrote down, I think we're going to be living in central Washington. So then fast forward to the residency lottery, and Jeanette calls me, and she opens the email, and she says, holy cow, we're going to Solis in Tri-Cities. And I went, kind of knew that. And so I don't know what that all means yet but I know it's where we're supposed to be. And I could, you know, credit whatever. But, but God has given me particular and assurance that this is where we're supposed to be. And there's some real practical benefits, and it's, it's, it's going to be, um, it, it's a great place for Schnett to be. It's a great residency program. There's loan forgiveness stuff because it's out in the countryside. Our little town of Benton City has about 3,000 people in it. Huh? And five peacocks that my wife chased through downtown, because that's what she does. Um, <laughs> so there's about 3,000 people. It's a little, you know, you would say a podunk town. Um, but it's part of this farm workers union that also is part of all the clinics that are up and down the Willamette Valley. And in three years, you're guaranteed employment in one of their clinics if you so choose. And so it'll make it really easy for us to find the next place that, you know, if we want to move back here, which is kind of our plan. Um, so <laughs> at least one of you like that. That's good. Um, but so there's some real practical advantages to it. But there's this sense of, okay, I'm going. And it's kind of weird. Um, you can go ahead and take down the picture of our house. So this is the, a picture I took driving across Wyoming one time. And it seems to be a pretty appropriate picture. There's the beauty of the road and the destination. And, of course, I can see far better here than I can in my own life. But there's the storm clouds. And, and this is going to kind of be an analogy that's been speaking to me of late. But here's the thing, and this is what I hope you guys get um, out of my heart and my, myself. As Christians, we are all called to go. We are all called to go. From the very beginning of the Bible, right? Adam and Eve, the beginning, they sin. What does God do? He sends them out of the garden. He says, go and populate the earth. And then you fast forward to Noah and that crew, and they come out of the ark, and God says, now, go and populate the earth. And they go, great, let's build a city. We, we are called to go. We don't always like going. And so they go to this, this place, and they start building the Tower of Babel, and God goes, you guys just don't get it. So let's shake things up. And he mixes up their languages and then says, okay, now you have to go. And the people spread out. And then you fast forward a little bit and you get to this guy named Abram. 
And God says, look, okay, now I want you to go to the promised land. And so he goes to the promised land. And the Israelites start to settle there. And then God mixes things up and he sends them into Egypt. And then they're in Egypt for 440 years or so, depending on how you want to count that. And then he sends them back to the promised land. And the Israelites get settled and comfortable in the promised land. And they're doing their own Israelite thing. And God says, I want you to be a light to the nations. And they say, great, nations can come here and visit us. God goes, nah, not so much. And so he disperses them. And the Israelites get overthrown and they get spread throughout the world. And particularly a bunch of them settle in Babylon. And God says, now I want you to be a light here. And then fast forward, Israelite, the Israel gets their land back and they're still kind of in turmoil and all this. And there's a whole mess of things that happen in that 400 years. And then God says, all right, let me show you what going looks like. And he sends this little baby and goes himself. And the whole ministry of Jesus, and I don't know if you know this or ever thought about it, but it was actually pointed out to me at a mission conference here a little bit ago. The whole mission of Jesus is him not being home and ministering outside of his home. See, Jesus was from Nazareth in Galilee, right? You hopefully all know that, Jesus of Nazareth. But Galilee and Nazareth were kind of like the Appalachians of the Americas. I mean, it was the podunk place that was kind of way up north. It, there were, you know, fishermen and farmers and olive farmers. And, you know, they, they just kind of grew. They were real, like, down-to-earth, earthy people. And they talked with a strange drawl, said, y'all. <laughs> I got to work on it. Someone else could do it way better than me. I'm from the Pacific Northwest. I don't know nothing about the South. But you get the feeling. Maybe they wore their pants a little too high and their hats a little too crooked. They were the dirty crew. And where did, was Jesus sent? Jerusalem. See, Jesus started off his ministry in Galilee and gathered disciples from there. And the first thing God did with those podunk backwoods people is send them to the center of the city and told them to start ministering. See, they would have been known, they would have been poked and, and seen right from the get-go in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was not home. And there's a reason when they're gathered around the fire pit at Jesus' crucifixion, they look at Peter and hear him say something and say, oh, you're from Galilee, aren't you? See, this was not home. And even after Jesus dies and he's, he's uh, resurrected, the disciples, what does he say? Stay here in Jerusalem. Don't go home where it's comfortable. Stay here. And God is right, even from there, calling the disciples to go to the people that they're not comfortable with. 
The Holy Spirit comes, the nations are there, there's 3,000 people that are saved, and 2,000 the next day, and there's all this excitement and fervor, and God says, okay, Jesus says, okay, now go. And what do the disciples do? They stay. Brilliant, right? Fathers of faith. Examples of how we're supposed to live the church. The best that Jesus has, and they ignore his first command. In fact, his, his command is pretty explicit. At the end of Matthew, it's called the Great Commission, right? Jesus has them all gathered, and he came, comes near and says to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. How many of you have ever heard that before? That is Jesus's command to the church, to go see, oftentimes we think about Jerusalem being where we're at now and then Judea being the neighborhood around us and Samaria a little farther out, the weirdos around us, and then the ends of the earth. But I want to remind you that Jerusalem was not home. They were sent right from the get-go to the people who were there uncomfortable. talk about that in a sec, but I want, to, I want to drive home to you, and partly this is because I love missions. I want to drive home to you that your calling as Christians is not to be in a building. God will not look down from heaven at some point in time when you're standing before him and go, man, you warmed that particular seat really well for 40 years. Or 80. That is in no way, shape, or form a mark of the presence of God. Now, you might be here out of faithfulness. You might be here to learn. You might be here to be challenged. You might be here to worship. Those are all great. But God's end goal for us is not to put us in a building or a denomination. God's end goal is to send you to reach the world, to go. It seems to me a lot of the church in America has forgotten that lately. It seems to me that we've sort of missed that picture. You know, we talk a lot about getting the numbers up in our buildings. We talk a lot about getting good programs. We talk a lot about budgets and buildings and, and finances and, and what we're comfortable with and what programs fit our family well and what, what, you know, whether or not the pastor is a good speaker or not, whether or not the worship team moves our spirit, whether or not whatever. Somehow we've forgotten that we're called to go. 
You know, Barna did a study a little bit ago. Let me put this slide up here. They asked a hundred or a thousand churchgoers, polled randomly, have you heard of the Great Commission? 51% said no. 25% said yes, but I can't recall the exact meaning of it. 6% said, I'm not sure. And 17 said, yes, and this is what it means. Of the churchgoers in America, 17% have an understanding that Jesus' last final command to the church was go. 17%. That's less than one of these sections. How have we missed that? You know, when I talk about unreached people group, and this is a little side plug for missions, go to the next slide here. In 2011, America spent the same amount of money on Halloween pet costumes as the church spent on getting the gospel to unreached people groups. I don't know who does that. Let me go to the next picture. All right, one more. One more there. There you go. I, I don't know who spends money on pet costumes. But, uh... What do we focus on? You can take that one off. <laughs> do we focus on going? And even in the Free Methodist Church, we were birthed out of the mission to go. And we were at our, this mission conference and they were giving some statistics. In 2007, 84% of the Free Methodist Churches in the U.S. gave something to mission. Only 84% gave something at all in 2007, 11 years ago. In 2016, 64% of some of the, of the free Methodist churches in America gave something to missions. In the last 10 years, even in our own denomination, a third of our churches quit giving money go. Now, I will say, I am actually amazingly proud of Salem First, um, and we have had a very intentional missions program and giving out of here. Particularly, and this is a challenge to all y'all my age and under, among the seniors. Yeah. The senior Sunday school group consistently raises, separate from tithe in here, $15,000 a year for missions. Now, I don't know how many y'all meet in there, but what, a dozen of you, 18 of you, 24 of you on a good day? Those of you who are my age and under, get on board with that. Because, because we are called to go. And that doesn't mean every single one of us has to go be a missionary someplace, right? 
But even in Romans 15, Paul is talking about missions and going to Spain. And he says, you go with me, meaning that the people are supporting him and sending him and encouraging him. Like, we are called to go support those who are doing it. Um, incidentally, in August, we're going to the Dominican Republic again for the fourth time. And there are at least three people from this church that are going with us. I, oh, yes. One of them is watching. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm not going to be around as much to spearhead that. Help them out. Help them go. Two of them are youth kids. They don't have $1,800 each. Help them out. Talk to Caleb about it. Talk to Carrie Price about it. She's going also. I saw her. There you are. You moved. Hey! <laughs> so, we are called to go. And I feel like there's, there's an aspect of this journey that's for Shanette and I now. But I, I want to I talk a bit about um, why sometimes we forget to. Go ahead, if you have your Bibles or your phones, turn to Genesis 12. Actually, the end of 11. And Genesis 11, starting in verse 31. Oh, my font's got messed up. Oh, well. You get the idea. Um, this is Terah, the father of who will become Abraham, who's Abram at this time. And it says in Genesis 11, verse 31, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, Haran's son, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abraham's wife, and they set out together for the Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. So when we talk about Abraham being called to the promised land, actually his father Terah had the call first. And Terah is actually the one who left the Ur of the Chaldeans. And I have a map of that. So Ur is down here in the bottom right-hand corner. And there's a huge desert between there and Jerusalem, which is on the left. And so they follow the river up, and then they're going to come back down into the promised land. And here's the thing. Let, let's read a little bit more. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and died in Haran. See, when he was 70 years old, Terah was called to go on this journey. And faithfully, he set out. But at some point, he gets to this place, and he says, this is far enough. This, this is good. Now, the general assumption is that this is a city that he founded, that he named after his nephew Lot, or his son, Haran, Lot is with them. He named after his dead son. 
So why don't you can fill in the backstory on that, and it's any, anybody's guess. But somehow in that, Tara gets halfway on this journey, this calling of God, and maybe it's because of grief over his son. Maybe it's, you know, maybe he was running from that grief, which is why part of the reason they went. Maybe he just got comfortable. Maybe they got tired and, I don't know, the transmission blew out in their car and they had to get it repaired and it didn't get repaired because they couldn't get pieces because they weren't going to be invented for 2,000 years. Whatever it is, they get stuck. How often on the calling to go do we get stuck? Where there's this sense of, yeah, God's calling me to do this. God's pushing us forward. God's drawing us. And we're like, all right, God, we're going to go. We're going to step out. We're going to trust you faithfully. We're going we're to trust you with our finances. We're going to make ourselves uncomfortable. We're going to reach out to our neighbors. We're going to risk being embarrassed. And hi, how's the weather? Where we reach out, or we go a little bit, and then we get stuck. You know, when Abraham is 75, God comes to him and says, I want you to leave your family, your father's household, and go to the land I'm going to show you. Go ahead and do I have that scripture up there? So Abraham took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. God called Abram when he was 75. He called Terah when he was 70. Quite frankly, I don't want to hear any excuses from senior citizens anymore. <laughs> I really don't want to hear any excuses from you youngins. But these are citizens, senior citizens that God is calling. And he's saying, I want you to go. And Abram says, okay. Do you notice anything different about that verse? Go, go ahead and go. So this is the same list that Terah took with him, except one thing. Abraham took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated. I don't know how long they were in Haran. But when they left Ur, there's no mention of them having anything. When Abram sets out from Haran, however many years later, he takes all the possessions they had accumulated and all the people they had acquired. Maybe part of the reason that they settled there was because of money and stuff. Honestly, this is my fear for the church, particularly in the U.S. 
we are, by and large, far more concerned about our stuff and our comfort and what we like than we are about the mission of God. If you sit in on the board meetings for our church, and this is not a bag on this church in particular because I've sat in on a lot of board meetings all over the place, 90% of our conversations is how are we going to take care of our stuff? Who's going to lock the doors? Who's going to keep the lights on? What are we going to do with our finances? How are we going to keep that person from being upset? We have so much stuff here in the U.S. that we've forgotten the mission. Church is not about you. It's not about me. It's about the calling. Now that doesn't make this bad. But what is the important part of being Christian? Went to India the first time. And they asked how we did our fundraising. And we talked about asking friends for money and you know, doing some dessert auctions and that kind of thing. And I said, and we did a church garage sale. And they said, what's a church garage sale? I said, well, we told people in our church, hey, if you got nice stuff at home that's extra, bring it to the church and we'll sell it. And we'll raise the funds. And they looked at me in the weirdest way. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, People brought stuff to the church and we sold it to other people. And it was the weirdest thing. They were like, wait, you guys just have extra stuff? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to tell you about the storage sheds that people have where they don't even look at it for 10 years and it's full of stuff. We take that same mentality into our church. You know, if we don't have the right program, if we don't have the right things for the kids, if the sermons don't feed me, if we don't have the right way to do this, that, or the other thing, I'll go find some place that does. I need more stuff. And the problem is, that's not why there's church. I am fully and completely convinced that half the reason, half of the reason God gave us the church and called you to it is so that people piss you off. True story. Half of the reason that you are in church and in a group of people that don't meet your needs and don't treat you the way you want to be and don't do the right things is so you can learn to get over it. And I mean that truly and fully. It's what marriage is. <laughs> she would agree. Because it's not about us. And when we get stuck, when we get halfway, when we have so much stuff, we get used to being comfortable and we miss the journey. And it is scary, right? If you continue on with Abram, you know, he, he hears this calling. Now, by the way, Luke tells us in, in Acts chapter 7 
that Abram started out on his journey when his father Terah died. You can do the math. Terah died at 205. Abram was born when he was 70. Abraham or Abram received the call at 75. That means between the calling and when Abram left was another 60 years. If you have received a call by God, it does not go away. If you received it at 18 years old and you're now 78, you're right in the prime of the time to go. So Abram sets out, and he comes to Canaan, and that was that verse there. And of course, I'm in the promised land. This has been a journey that, you can go to that verse. This this has been a journey that's however many, uh, go back. One more. That one. This is the journey that's been decades in the making, and it says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to them. God, I have arrived. And is it beautiful and amazing and perfect? Now go to that other verse. There was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to stay there for a while because the famine in the land was so severe. I'm journeying for a hundred years in process. Finally get there and go wow, this is dry and desolate. We're going to starve to death. Thank you, Jesus, for this calling. You see, there is a reality to the journey that it is not ever about making you comfortable. That's one of the things that I love most about Andrew. He is not about making you comfortable. And he shouldn't be. We are supposed to be on a journey. And you know what? The destination may not look like you want it to be. It may not be all green pastures and flowing rivers and tons of fun that perfectly fits everything you'd ever hoped for. In fact, that's a pretty consistent theme that when you get there, you're kind of uh, stretched and pushed. Jesus comes out of the water, the Trinity is there, baptized, and it says, and immediately the Holy Spirit sent him out into the desert. We are called to go. And we're called to go to the destination God called us to, regardless of what that looks like. And the more uncomfortable you are, the more opportunity you have to grow in what really matters. There is a photographer named Dina Goldstein. And she did this series of photos. And I love the way it pushes on our fairy tales. Well, let's go to the first one. So this is Snow White, right? And Prince Charming and the dwarves and this beautiful story of her overcoming all these difficulties and these problems. And of course, the end of the book says, and they lived happily ever after. Right? Because that's what it's supposed to be. 
Life is supposed to end happily ever after. Except I like Dina's version of this. Go ahead and go to... (laughs) Happily ever after. And what about the next one? Little Red Riding Hood seems to have a problem with carbs. (laughs) 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 Uh, Next one. Cinderella is still dealing with the abuse from her stepmother. Next one. Rapunzel. Next one. Prince Charming. Sleeping Beauty. You see, life is not simple. It doesn't end happily ever after, and that's okay. Because ultimately, our calling is to trust and walk in faith. My gift that I would give you is the ability to hold on to faith despite it being hard. To realize that our calling is to go into the world and go to the people that are the hardest to love. That life is messy, but that's the point. I was talking to Rachel this week and we were talking about faith. And I said, I have come to the conclusion that faith is not boldly marching forward into what God has for you, but just this courage and knowing that God is behind you 100%. I said, I've come to the realization that faith is just simply crawling forward, scared, broken, hurting, and holding on to God and knowing he's holding on to you. Just where God takes us. That's what faith is about. And so as I go into my future, may you go also into yours. Whatever the calling is, whatever the challenge is, whatever God has put before you, go into it. Particularly if me pray. Jesus, I thank you for this church and these people. I thank you for the ways they are working in the world. I thank you for the ways that they are wrestling and struggling with your calling and your purpose and what you've meant for them and meant of them. And God, I pray that you would bless them with the ability to hold on with faith to you in the midst of the darkness. And at the same time, God, to go into the darkness carrying your light. Jesus, may you lift them up. May you inspire them. May you challenge them and may you mold and shape them into being more and more in an image of you. 
so that the world may know there is hope. So the world may know that they are loved. The world may know that you are good. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Don't go anywhere, Trevor. Shanette, would you want to come up here? Um, the board and the delegates and other leaders that want to pray. We're going to, uh, we're going to have a reception for Trevor. Thank you so much for challenging us, bro. I appreciate that so much. But we're going to have a reception afterwards. But before we do that, we want to, as a body, just reach out and pray for this couple. They're going in faith. They're going where God's called them. Uh, he's, he's living what he's talking about right now. So we're just thankful for him. And just thank you so much for the time that he spent with Salem first. And though he leaves, we know that he's not going out of our heart. We'll always be in contact because he's going to want to do some more mission trips, I'm sure. So, But, uh, <laughs> but um, I like um, everybody just reach towards them. Yeah, go ahead. Trevor, it's just been on my heart. As I've been thinking about both of you moving and, and going, it has really been strong on my heart, and I've been praying for you. Because the thing that I know, that God is ordering your steps. The thing that I know, that God has a purpose there for you. And it may not be revealed right now, but it's going to be revealed to you as you go. As you walk it out. And I honestly believe that you're going to know why you were sent to go. Because God has a people that has need of your prayer Amen. in that place. And that will continue to be my prayer, and I believe it will continue to be the prayer of all of these folks <laughs> as we stand in the gap for the both of you, for what God has, because it's good. Because he says the plans that he has for us are good and not evil. And it says that the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. We pray as you go that your steps shall be ordered by God. As you go to Benson City, Benton City, I got to get it right, Benton City, God has this place. I thought it was interesting that he put you in the middle of those places. The Tri-Cities, I'm familiar with all that area. Church, let's pray.